Hey, good business listeners. We're trying out something a little different for today's podcast, and I'm really curious to know what you think. So please hit us up on email at podcast at thelaunchpad.group or comment wherever you're listening to let us know your thoughts. Now on with the show. Sometime in the middle of last year, a spanking new boutique hotel opened its doors in the heart of Kuala Lumpur's Chinatown. Located on Pedaling Street in what was once known as the iconic Lee Rubber Building, Else Hotel boasts seven stories with a total of 49 rooms, each one designed in soft palettes and natural tropical textures with an interior that embraces a modern feel while celebrating the elements of yesteryears. The hotel also hosts several wellness facilities, including an outdoor pool terrace with cabanas, a gratitude space, and my favorite, the floating meditation pods. I loved visiting Else Hotel. It's a really incredible property right in the middle of Pedaling Street's hipster culture. Just walking into the hotel lobby, you know you're somewhere special. And it's kind of surprising that the owners, Justin Cheng and Javier Perez, are actually first-time hoteliers. Justin leads Arc Spaces, a collection of shared workspace brands with locations all over Asia, while his partner Javier, an old friend of mine, is the restaurateur behind the popular concepts like Kilo, Raw Kitchen and Grain Traders but it has always been his dream to open his own hotel. You know, today we talk about manifesting and putting things out into the world. And so maybe that 23-year-old Javier that was saying, I'm going to open a hotel, I want to open a hotel, you know, was kind of planting a seed that would finally sprout 20 years later. And sprout that seed did. However, as Javier very quickly found out, Running a hotel is no small feat. And despite it being his lifelong goal to become a hotelier, it would require more than sheer passion to keep the dream alive. Welcome to Good Business, a launchpad podcast that goes behind the scenes of the leaders of good businesses who have people, planet and profit at the core of their mission. I'm Chris Edwards, founder of The Honeycombers and Launchpad, And this is the story of how Javier Perez of Kilo, Raw Kitchen and Grain Traders fame launched Else Hotel in KL and the challenges of being a first-time hotelier and how it really took him immersing himself into darkness to see the light. But before we get into Else Hotel's launch, we first need to understand one thing. Who is Javier and how did this Puerto Rican man end up on this side of the world? That's a pretty complex thing, right? When people ask me like, well, you're Puerto Rican. And I think it's not as a novelty today because there are a handful of Puerto Ricans now in Singapore, right? But at the time, I think that there was less than 10, right? I think there was about six or seven of us. But, you know, life is a beautiful thing, right? No coincidences. I believe that I ended up in Singapore because I was destined to be there. Born and raised in Puerto Rico, Javier has always been fixated on creating incredible experiences, an obsession that began when he first saw how some friends ran a well-beloved restaurant in his neighborhood and recognized that a good meal is more than just food and drink. 
since then, he'd harbored ambitions of being able to host, entertain, and really bring joy to large groups of people. And that drive sent him all the way to Switzerland in the pursuit of a postgraduate degree in hospitality. There, Javier met the woman who would soon become his wife, Sharon. And while looking for a place to plant their roots, they turned to Singapore. At that point, her family or her parents had moved back to Singapore. And she's like, well, my parents are back in Singapore. I've never really lived there. Why don't we go check it out? And, you know, this is Singapore in 2005. So, you know, the green initiatives that Singapore have today still rang true back then. The island was beautiful. It was green. There was no MBS. There was no Sentosa. I mean, there was Sentosa, but there wasn't Sentosa as you see it today. I mean, there was no Ion. Mm. There was no Wisma Atria. There was no Orchard Central. You know, there was only Takashimaya, Lucky Plaza. I mean, it was a really green place, right? And so I fell in love with it immediately, actually. I just felt like, oh, wow, this is it. Javier and his wife visited Singapore four more times, each time feeling the pull grow stronger until they finally moved here in 2006. Soon after that, Javier launched his first endeavour. So the first restaurant that we ever opened was a small Vietnamese restaurant, which was very creatively called Ban Mi, right? (laughs) (laughs) We sold uh, Ban Mi's and Pho's. You know, I've always been a huge fan of Vietnamese food and the freshness and just, I don't know, it's just so good, right? So tasty and so Mm. comforting. And that was our first restaurant. We took over a little space in China Square Central. And yeah, that's where we started kind of our planting, if you will. And so began Javier's career as a restauranteur in Singapore. After Bami, he launched Raw Kitchen then Kilo, which has a few locations around Singapore and Indonesia, and Grain Traders, which was a first of its kind that launched with queues around the block. The mission and kind of the vision for Grain Traders was to be able to offer people good food, great food that was intentional and thoughtful in the way it's being handled. We weren't using any processed foods, no frozen foods, and we we're looking really at the craft, right, of being able to offer urbanites or kind of modern kind of city dwellers within Singapore, accessible and really kind of fast service cuisine, but executed at restaurant level kind of techniques, right? And then, you know, on top of that, layering that with, you know, kind of these Latin, Asian, Mediterranean flavor profiles, right? Like where, you know, your lunchtime didn't have to be boring, right? Or it didn't have to feel like you were just fueling up, but rather, even though you knew that you were fueling up and giving your body something of substance to take you throughout the day, that it could be enjoyable, it could be tasty, and yeah, it could pack a punch. There are many interesting things about Javier, but maybe the most fascinating thing is that Javier isn't a chef. I'm not a chef, right? I'm not someone who can sit there and kind of think of creative ways of putting ingredients together and then it kind of works, right? What I think I've been gifted with is the ability to think about, well, what makes people feel good? What's comfort? You know, there's moments that you experience, right, where you go somewhere and you're unable to kind of put into words why you actually feel good in this space. 
what is actually attracting you to it? You know, this familiarity with the food, even though it may be some type of fusion interpretation, you still feel like, well, I know this, I've had this, I can relate to it. And so I believe that, thank God, I've been kind of given a gift of putting things together, you know, and kind of producing them in a way of like, that just makes people feel great and makes them feel good. And so I believe it's always started, not even I believe, I know that it's always started with the intention of, you know, one, how do we provide our guest with a moment of familiarity? And that could almost be a memory, a kind of experience that they've had before. You know, one thing that's always truly been ingrained is how do we provide our guests with a moment of transporting them? You know, I think that one of the most beautiful comments or feedbacks that we've been given is always that, oh, I don't feel like I'm in Singapore when I go to your restaurant. You know, I feel like I've been transported. I feel like, oh, you know, I used to go to a place like this in Australia, or I feel like I'm in Germany, or I feel like I'm in wherever, right? And we've heard that time and time again, not only in our grain traders business and our kilo business, even on our raw kitchen business. And so that's pretty cool, right? Mm. You know, the opportunity to be able to give people a moment of disconnect, but somehow they're connecting with something else, with some other kind of memory, with some other experience. And I don't know, I find that really like a blessing and like a really cool thing, because even though you're not able to compute that into an ROI or like dollars and cents. There's so much value in that. And even if there isn't, there's like so much pleasure. That last bit for me personally really illustrates the kind of person Javier is. But despite the successes of his series of intentions across raw kitchen, kilo and grain traders, Javier never stopped looking for opportunities to impart those experiences to more people. And so it just happens that in 2017, that opportunity came knocking in the form of an invitation to go to KL by his old friend, Justin. You know, this project really was a project that my now partner, Justin, had come to me with and said, hey, we have this building and we're unsure what we want to kind of do with it. We've been looking at different options. We They're in the uh, co-working space and in the private office space and they're developers. And so, you know, it's a Maybe we can do a co-working, co-living. Maybe we can do a members club. You know, all these ideas were floating around. And one of those ideas was a hotel. There it was, an opportunity for Javier to jump in and achieve his goal of becoming a hotelier. There was just one little issue. Javier had never been to KL before. When Justin actually called me and said, hey, would you like to come to KL? I was like, well, I've never been there. Okay, let's try it out. And I I think it was part and parcel because I never had this call or attraction to KL, right? If I had two or three days off, you're going to Bangkok, you're going to Bali, you're going to other places. You're not like, yeah, let's go to KL. But when I got here, which was the first time I visited KL was 2017, I was like, wow, this is interesting. This is cool. You know, it reminded me, and I apologize in advance to anyone listening out there that may take offense to this, but like, I don't know, it reminded me of like a mixture of Thailand, Bangkok, and Singapore, but like in the late 90s, right? Like I just, I felt like, oh, this is like Thailand and Bangkok, like 
15, 20 years ago, we kept speaking about it. And I said, oh, have you found someone to kind of help you with the hotel? And he's like, how about we just do it together? And foolish optimism, right? You're just like, yeah, sure, we could do it. We can open a hotel, right? <laughs> Sounds easy enough. So open a hotel, the pair did. And to their credit, they immediately saw that this task wasn't going to be an easy one. There were moments where you're like, oh my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into, right? There's so much to think about. There's so much to do. And there is, right? That's not to kind of take away from that because there is a lot to consider and there is a lot to do. But at the same time, it's not the lion that we think it is. It's maybe like a bobcat, right? It's still quite fierce, right? And it can kill you at any moment, but like it's, you know, it's manageable, right? As you just heard, the monumental task of launching an entirely new hotel brand independently didn't deter Javier in the slightest, mainly because if you know Javier, you know that he's the type of person that just has this really weird underlying self-belief, and it's very rare to find. We're not necessarily given the answer of why something has called us until years later. Right. Like the epiphany isn't there right away. I mean, at least for me, it's not like I have the answer every time. Like, oh, yeah, I know exactly why we chose KL. And when people ask me, well, why KL? Um, Why did you choose KL? And I always say, you know, well, I believe KL chose me, but I don't have the answer of why yet. Right. I'm just kind of trying to be as present as possible. Look at what we have here in this gift, right? Because we have to be good stewards of opportunities. And then how do we build upon this, right? Once again, how do we build upon it for our team members to have great career paths, to have things that they can look forward to, to have pride in what they do, to then how do we then impact our community or even our market? You know, maybe if we speak two years from now, we can really dive deep and say like, oh, wow, you know, all of these things have happened. We've been able to really kind of impact change in these kind of ways. We've been able to impact market or communities in this kind of way. And then we will come closer to like this answer, right, of why. But right now, I believe that we've been kind of put into this market to be part of it, Mm. to be part of its growth, to be part of its evolution to be part of its transition, right? And and then we're Mm. constantly going through transitions in in everything we do in our businesses, in life, in in concepts, in ideas. And so, you know, today we are into 2023 of KL. And hopefully, you know, when we look back, we're like, wow, else was really impactful over the last five or 10 years, right? Mm. If I'm opening a brand and I won't name any brands, but if I'm opening a brand that's already established, has 10 hotels around the world, and I'm just plugging it into a new city, well, that's one thing because you've already done the work and created the roots, the following, the reputation. But today I look at us as, you know, like a little fetus embryo thing. Like we're just a baby. Like we're not even crawling yet, right? And maybe (laughs) maybe you can say, okay, okay, we're crawling, but like, you know, who are we? Uh. What are we? What do we stand for? What is our culture? What are our values? What actually attracts people to or will attract people to the else name? How do we ensure that attraction turns into retention over time and loyalty? So it all takes time 
and just dedication and just commitment through the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly, and whatever may come, right? Of course, like in many businesses, right after the good and the great, the bad and the ugly follow. But one of the most remarkable things in this conversation was Javier's ability to talk about and realize that he's currently experiencing what he calls a period of failures. I feel like if somebody was kind of filming my life or if I have to think about it, I feel like I'm at this weird space where things haven't really worked out over the course of the last few years, right? I definitely have racked up more losses than wins, right? And so that's a really humbling place to be. It's a very frustrating place to be. Yeah, sure, we opened a hotel and, you know, I'm looking to open another small place. But internally, there's a lot of things that are not going well, right? We find ourselves not being able to identify the proper systems or procedures or, you know, things that we need to kind of give ourselves a greater foundation. We have found ourselves in a bit of a turnover cycle with key people where we're like, well, what is it? And then you wonder, like, you know, you have to do some introspection and say, well, is it, is it me? Is it what am I not seeing or overlooking? We have opened some restaurants. We opened Grain Traders in Los Angeles and we had to close after 15 months. And sure, a lot of people can say, well, you know, it was COVID. We, we opened right in the heart of COVID without knowing that COVID was on its way. But you feel like, oh my gosh, like, why am I, why am I not getting any W's, right? You know, I really do feel like I'm in a patience testing season. I feel like I'm in a resilience testing season. I feel like I'm in a whatever you want to kind of attribute or kind of, you know, in, in your own kind of thoughts, like when you're going through something that just doesn't seem to be converting or working out. But the crazy part of it is that I'm okay with it. You know, there's times where even today we're still trying to figure out this business in the hotel. It's a beautiful product. You know, the hardware is all there, but then it's really bringing in and ensuring that there is a life and there is a soul and there is a vibrancy that it's the heartbeat, right? So, mm. you know, we're definitely being tested. All right. If, if I have to speak to myself, I feel that, you know, I'm being tested, but I'm okay with the test. But even for a guy as cool as Javier, there are hard days. Sometimes those days can turn into weeks, months, maybe even years, and it can be hard to find a bright spot in dark times. Funnily enough, it took being in a literal dark room for Javier to find his light. Just a short while before we had this conversation, Javier had attended a nine-day silence and darkness retreat in Thailand. Honestly, for a needy extrovert like me, nine days of silence and darkness sounds like torture. But according to Javier, it was actually kind of therapeutic. My thought going there without having any exposure to it, I was like, okay, well, this is going to provide me a moment of complete solitude with absolutely no distractions, absolutely no. And when I say distractions, I'm not just talking about your phone, your email, your work, but like, actually you can, you're not going to be stimulated by anything visually, right? You're not speaking. You're So what I thought, which is, you know, kind of what happened was that 
you're going to have this moment to just be with your thoughts. And that's a really scary place to be, right? Because not all of our thoughts are great thoughts, right? And probably for the majority of us, the majority of thoughts are not great thoughts, right? And so, you know, we have all of these things that we deal with, whether they're insecurities, inadequacies, we deal with, you know, self-doubt, we deal with guilt or shame or not being able to kind of go past something or forgive ourselves. Also, then you have these thoughts about like, well, what am I doing with my professional life? And how is my business going? And what can I do better? And maybe I should have given a better instruction to this person and this wouldn't happen. And But what happens is that whatever is within you, you have nine days with it by itself, right? <laughs> and it is a beautiful experience, but it's also very cruel. It's also very real. It's very revealing. You know, a phrase that I came out of from there was cruel grace, right? Because sometimes we look at grace as being something that, you know, gives you an opportunity or it comforts you and sends you on, on your way and says, hey, don't worry. Like, you know, keep going and, and you're fine. And But sometimes grace has to be cruel to show you, hey, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep moving forward. But you need to attend to these things. You need to kind of look at this a bit more intently and consciously. But it's a crazy moment because I went in there with a lot of baggage. I went in there with a lot of self-inflicted trauma. And so I had to kind of deal with that, right? And we have a teacher that's in there. You're in the complete darkness. You're not speaking. It was interesting because it is a darkness that you have never experienced before, right? Like it's like an abyss. Like you're just like in this, like you were like, what is this? And you're eating in the dark, taking a shower in the dark, brushing your teeth in the dark, getting dressed, everything. But it is a darkness that I've never experienced. And I can feel very confident to say that nobody has ever experienced unless they've actually been into a dark room, right? The first handful of days were actually not bad, right? Where it really got very difficult for me, I mean, there was day four, where there was some things and it was just my mind, right? Because you're battling these things. But day seven was really tough. But there was such a beautiful, you know, there's so much revelation, right? And there's other parts of this, right? Because we, we're just scratching the surface, but like, you know, your brain starts to produce, you know, other kind of chemistry within your brain that we don't usually experience. We usually only experience twice in life, which is in birth and in death. And so since you are in the darkness for a certain amount of time, your melatonin, once it reaches a certain ceiling, your brain and your body cannot produce, overproduce melatonin. So then it converts it into another chemical, which then opens a whole nother spectrum of like visions and seeing and realizations and really beautiful stuff, right? So yeah, it's given me some great clarity, but at the same time, I still believe that I need to continue that practice, whether that practice is here in this natural state and world or whether I do this on a calendar basis. One thing Javier took away from this retreat experience was the power of re, and it's compelling, but I'm going to let him explain it. I have incorporated this thing of re in my life, re, right? R-E. And so 
the power of re, right? And so like, what does that mean? And that came to me one time and I was like, well, what does that mean? And then I started to look up and, you know, you can Google this, like all words that start with re, with R-E. And it's beautiful, right? Because it's all about re, like resetting, regenerating. You know, there are a multitude of words that are so beautiful, that are so, that are there really to to give you more life, right? Mm. And to restart and reactivate and re-read. Just, you know, you can take a look and you can see what words may resonate with you, but it's the action of taking the time to be still and to to start again, right? And, and, and to be ready for what's next. And so we all need those moments, right? Or at least we should make those moments, you know, if we have the luxury, right? Like I said, you know, in this beautiful thing we called life, you know, there's this beautiful and unfortunate grid, right? And this grid can have, you know, a trillion boxes and, and we sit somewhere on the vertical and the horizontal of that grid, right? And other people sit below us, above us, beside us. And so um, if we're fortunate enough that we can implement these practices, if we have the time, if we have the, the money, if we have the health, if we have the mental fortitude or stability, then we should take full advantage of it. Today, Javier recognizes that his career and his businesses and himself are all still works in progress. And for all he knows, they may continue to be for a while. But as usual, he's not sweating it. In fact, he had this to say. Even if it all went to shit today, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a very different space. Like I have so much to be grateful for. And even if I just had to like, I don't know, like no longer be an entrepreneur and I need to just go find a, a gig somewhere or then I have to kind of believe that, okay, why is this happening? And, and is this what it's meant to be? Not saying that I'm subscribing to that and letting the current take me along, right? But I believe in cycles, right? And I believe that we're constantly being taught things. And so, you know, do I have the faith that there will be a time of of triumph, of like celebration, of, you know, really kind of elated celebration of like, you know, yes. But I also think that like, I'm going through a moment of testimony building, right? Because, you know, ever since we've known each other, like, I just been like, oh yeah, things are going fine and whatever, right? <laughs> and so, you know, this is just a moment I feel that for me to say, hey, you know what? And who knows, right? Like I said, we most of the time only know the why much later, right? Like when you're in it, very few people are so in tune to kind of see the why when they're in the middle of something, right? And so perhaps the, my why is, you know, years from now, being able to lend support or comfort to people who may be going through similar situations, right? Mm. Being able to be an encouraging voice or shoulder to lean on to say, hey, just continue on, right? You know, not foolishly, but there is a way, right? Have thank you. It's been an absolute delight. There's so much here that is so valuable and I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you. And it's great to see you. And I hope to uh, connect again soon. So that wasn't too painful. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't too painful at all. I'm glad. I'm glad. So my big takeaway from this conversation with Javier, well, there's so much, to be honest. 
The big one for me is I love his approach to trusting the universe and knowing that we're constantly in a state of flux and that we'll have seasons of success and seasons of failure. And that's kind of okay. That's all part of the journey. I also really admire his appetite for just having a crack and having a go. I mean, it's amazing to think he's not actually a chef and here he is with a multitude of restaurants and now a hotel under his belt. He's a true inspiration and yet he's so humble and understated. I'm really grateful to call him a friend. I hope you enjoyed Javier's story and learning from it as much as I did. Special thanks to my mate Javier for being so raw and real as I knew he would be in this conversation. I absolutely recommend you all book a weekend to KL and go and stay at the Else Hotel. I was there thinking, oh my goodness, I have to bring my whole family back. It's such a beautiful experience. And if you're in Singapore, absolutely eat at Kilo or Grain Traders. They're phenomenal experiences and all those details are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and tuning into Good Business. Please let us know what you think of today's episode. It's a new format. We'd love to hear from you. Email us on podcast at thelaunchpad.group and we'd really appreciate if you could give us a rating on our podcast and leave us a nice review on any podcast platform that you're listening on. And if you like today's episode, please share it with a friend. I'm not asking much, am I? Also, if you're not subscribed to us, give that follow button some love. We've all got so many stories of good businesses and the great leaders behind them. And I'm really excited to share their stories with you. Finally, if you want to join our community of ambitious, daring, smart, and super kind entrepreneurs, please hit us up at www.thelaunchpad.group. I think you'll be surprised at what you could harness from joining our community. Before we close out, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation, and I also pay my respects to elders past, present and future. I also extend my respect to all traditional cultures. Thank you again for listening. I'm Chris Edwards, and I hope that you feel as inspired as I am to create your own good business. Good business.